Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast special Alpine Bushfires series, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people from the Victorian Alpine region who went through the bushfires which occurred from late 2019 through to early 2020. These stories highlight the different challenges and events people went through and how they overcame them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help you. If you love this conversation, please like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero's story. This conversation is with Roz Addison. She's the wife of Quinton Addison, who's also shared a story about the Black Summer bushfires. And her story is quite remarkable. Sitting there with three German backpacking young ladies who were staying with them at the time, doing all the things that they learnt to do to try and save their house, which they're unsuccessful. But sitting there, going to the damn wall, watching the fires literally burn down the house, Her story goes beyond just the actual fire and losing her house. It talks about how this fire ripped through a community where close to half the homes were destroyed. And these were homes of people who weren't necessarily close because of the nature of the land and the layout. And yet after the fires, a lot of them were brought together through the idea of these women getting together and just catching up for coffee. Roz talks about this and the need for talking, for connecting with others, and how that saved her and saved her sanity. Roz gives a beautiful account of that journey and how it impacted her and also the girls and the community at large. It's a great story. This is Roz Addison. Hello and welcome. Here we are. Roz, thank you for joining me on the Kintsugi Heroes Alpine Bushfire Special Edition Series. It's so lovely to have you, Roz. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And um, I just want to acknowledge you and, and thank you for your time and for joining me uh, on this very, very special and unique conversation that we're going to have. Um, I just want to acknowledge you for for being here and sharing your wisdom and your story the the benefit of other people because that's why we do this thank you thank you you're welcome so so to get us started uh, please tell me rose whereabouts do you live so i live in st andrews well out of st andrews between st andrews and king lake um yeah about an hour northeast of melbourne right okay Good. So now for those listeners all around Australia, we've got context of where you are. We've probably got listeners from overseas as well. Um, well, let's get started. I'm going to hand over to you and let you take us back to the beginning to share your story. So I guess the story really started on the 6th of February 2009, which was the day before Black Saturday. And Coming home late at night from work, I heard on the radio that it was going to be, the following day was going to be the worst day since Ash Wednesday, another period of intense bushfires in Victoria. I didn't have any concept of what that meant. I don't think anybody did. 
So we had some um, young German schoolgirls staying with us. They were planning to stay on the Friday night and then leave to go to Sydney. Um, we encouraged them to stay with us, not knowing what the potential was. Quentin, my husband, was um, on a fire truck or had tr- he was a trained firefighter. And because of that, I had had a very good grounding in what to do if ever I was caught in um, these circumstances. So um, Saturday morning, it was quite pleasant. It wasn't extraordinarily hot. Um, the girls were in the swing pool. We'd hired a video to watch. Everything was pretty chilled. Um, at about midday, the page, Quentin's page went off. So I took him down to the fire station and he rang me and he said, come and get me. It's just chaos. No one knows what they're doing. So I came back. Shortly thereafter, his page went off again. So he said, I think I should go. So he took my car and off he went. Shortly thereafter, there was a phone call. He was on a fire truck and he'd borrowed someone's phone and said, get the fire plan started because it's coming. So the girls, he'd shown the girls how to start the fire pump. They went down to the dam and started the fire pump and we started doing all the things. We pulling in doormats, nothing on the clothesline. Dogs were shut away. Um, the girls were pretty excited, <laughs> something real happening. However, then they, um, it got really real and we could see the, um, Smoke getting closer and closer. So by this stage, the temperature was about 46 degrees. It was blowing, gusting wind. It was, the winds were um, 150 kilometers an hour. Um, and embers from 20 kilometers were landing and starting spot fires in St. Andrews. The fire was actually heading towards the township of St Andrews, but we're actually located northeast, five kilometres northeast of the township. So there was a wind change and that brought the fire front from the village of St Andrews into the um, farming areas of St Andrews. We call it St Andrews North. And that then went from where we are up to King Lake, um, which I think people would have heard of. Um, with regard to the Black Saturday fires. So in our area, there were 14 people killed by the fires and 65 houses were lost. So it's a very, um, our area is old farming area. We live opposite the National Park. Um, It's not densely populated, but interestingly enough, most of the people travel from our area into Melbourne. So it's not a community that was particularly close. In fact, I would say not at all close. Everyone lived their life um, individually. The fire came. <laughs> it was pretty pretty scary, but we knew I knew what to do and gu- guided the, ch- the girls out and we sat on the, um, down behind the dam wall. The traffic stopped on the main road, which was interesting. First of all, the power went out, and that's when I knew we were in trouble. Yeah, just following everything that Quentin had um, 
taught me. I was probably calmer then than I am currently now. <laughs> it was a big day. Um, I had bottles of water that the girls had collected. The bottle I had encouraged them to grab bottles of water. Um, we had the, our dogs with us, um, and the girls had a camera, and um, we had mobile phones. Um, we weren't able to ring anybody. The lines were absolutely choked. My neighbour from next door started going down the road um, in his four-wheel drive. We were able to call him off. He was actually just going out to get water to drink, but we had water, so he was able to get water from us. And our neighbour from across the road appeared. Um, so on the damn wall, there were five of us, plus our two dogs. The neighbour across the road and to the north. Um he was he he tried to take his motorbike out, but he didn't he didn't make it. He was one of the fourteen that died in the fire. And so we sat on the damn wall trying to make phone calls to let people know that we're okay. Um drinking water. Next time I'll take wine. Um and uh wondering what to do next. Um I was concerned that Quentin I knew that he was on a fire truck. I was concerned that he would be worried about me and take some risks, but um, because he's not a risk taker by nature. But we were we were fine. We were fine. So that was um, our experience on Black Saturday. We finally got out of the, the of our, from our property. We watched the house burn down. Um, a fire truck came past, and I said, "Was it safe for us to go down?" into St Andrews and they said if we had a four-wheel drive. So we all piled into the neighbour's four-wheel drive and went down to St Andrews where they and it was about seven or eight o'clock at this time at, at night time. Um, we were met by, you know, firefighters changing over, um, finally able to locate Quentin and let him know that I was okay, contact my daughter, that was for me the hardest thing was not being able to contact my daughter and let her know that we were okay. I knew she'd be frantic and she was. Um, and that's the one thing that stays with me <laughs> still to this day, 14 years on, still upsets me. Because you never want to put your daughter in a position of great pain. We went and stayed. With our daughter, her husband came and picked us up and we went and stayed with her. Um, and Quentin spent four days on a fire truck or delivering maps and doing all sorts of things. Uh, and then the word came out that we had to register with the Red Cross. So we had to come back um, to... Diamond Creek to register with the Red Cross. Um, and it was there that I ran into a friend, um, who had said, started talking to me about various people. And they'd been, she'd been living in the area a lot longer than we had. So we, um, I said, I don't know these people, but we need to all get together and have a cup of tea or something. So Kathy 
my friend, got very busy and contacted everybody from the area that had been directly impacted by um, the fires. And um, we decided we'd have a, we'd make soup. So by this time it was probably March. Easter had been. She, Kathy's house had survived the fires, even though she was in this area, her house had survived the fires. She said she would make soup. I said I would make, bring a cheese platter because I really wasn't in a position to buy, make soup. Um, and we invited every woman from the area that we lived in, um, to come and have a soup lunch with us. Um, 30 women turned up and all decided that it was a great idea. Um, and we became known as the ladies of the black belt, not a name that we gave ourselves. I don't know. If how it evolved, but we were the ladies of the black belt. So that group met regularly for a long time. Um, probably every second week we'd meet for cakes and coffee. I think they were very important in the healing process because there were women there that had lost their husbands. Um, and they needed the connection because of the nature of the area. There wasn't that instant close support. And I think the thing about St Andrews itself, the village, they hadn't actually experienced. I mean, they had the fire came really close to them. That was about two minutes away from them, but they hadn't actually experienced and weren't currently experiencing homelessness, the loss of siblings, the lot or or partners, the loss of animals. Um, dog, um, businesses. So it was a very varied age group, those women that met from, you know, young mums with babies to older women that had been in the area for a long time. So we did that for about two years. We organised family camps. We organised what we called shed nights, which was where we would get the men the families together, so the husbands would come as well as those with children. They'd bring their children. So it was a way of having, I mean, we weren't working. We were just desperately trying to rebuild our lives. I mean, some people went back to work, but most of us were just trying to rebuild our lives, rebuild our homes. So to have um, these shed nights meant that there was some social interaction happening as well, which was great. So we got to know the neighbourhood of individuals, <laughs> which was great. Um, I joined the um, Recovery and Rebuilding um, Committee for St Andrews, um, and they organised things like grants and um, memorial. The memorial the committee came out of that. We um, approached the council worker and suggested that the men needed a, a place for them. Um, the men were very slow to get on board with connecting with each other. We, we organized fishing trips and things like that for them. So out of the black belt ladies, information would be, um, dispersed. So where to go to to get a fridge or where to go to for clothes, um, things like that. Um, it was um, um, a means of communication as well as a social event. 
within that group, most women, most families um, moved out of the area. Several people have passed away since. But there's a core group of us that 14 years later still meet for coffee on a Thursday morning. And we're all, we very rarely talk about fire stuff anymore. Um, it's a, it's a space. We go to a coffee shop and it's a space where we can <laughs> vent. <laughs> um, so the relationships that were cra- created because of this disaster have been very strong and, um, fantastic. Yeah. How beautiful. Um, thank you, Roz. Can I go back and ask a couple of questions about your experience? So when you had the, the German backpackers, the girls, how old were they? Were they young? They were just finishing school. They had come to Australia on a, um, ex- well, my nephew in Sydney had gone to Germany in, as part of a school exchange and they had done a return exchange and they were in Victoria. Um, they, they bought a car and they were driving around Australia. So they was, I would say 17. Yes. Wow. Yeah. What? <laughs> wow. I wonder, yeah. you know, what kind of stories they have back in Germany, you know, talking about Australia. Um, <laughs> what an experience. Mm-hmm. When you, you said you were on the dam wall and you had your bottles of water, you, the neighbor came over and joined you. Did, did you at any time worry or think I've got to go somewhere else? Or did you know to stay there based on what Quinton had taught you? I knew to stay there. Um, fire planning is really a wonderful thing, but you really need to think about what to do after the fire passes through. And I just sat there thinking, now what? That wasn't, <laughs> there was never any conversation about that. But I knew that it was dangerous on the road. We'd watch people going past in cars. Our property used to have big pine trees across the front of it and they were on fire. I mean, they were right on the roadside and people were driving underneath them and one car, they were trying to get up to King Lake because they had family up there. And the branches, I mean, these were really old pine trees. They were huge. And branches were just dropping off them. <gasps> no, no. So I knew not to get on the road. In fact, I told them, get off the road. In that experience, there were a lot of things that were actually quite traumatic that I think I don't know how I've dealt with them. I just don't think about them, I think. Um when our neighbour came back to get his motorbike, I heard him just riding round and round in circles, um, trying obviously to decide what to do. Um, and, yeah, I don't think about that very often. Um, my friend who was out defending her house, she did it successfully, but she saw a fox running past and its tail was on fire. Um, just, you know, kangaroos trying to escape. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, a lot of things. It's not just people, it's the animals, it's it's the whole ecosystem, isn't it? Exactly. And then sitting on the damn wall um, and breathing crunchy air is the only way I can describe it, you know. Um, and then someone said to me, well, 
How many lounge suites did you breathe in? Yeah, you know, you just don't know what you're doing to your health, um, which is extraordinary. But look, so far, I've been pretty good. Yeah, I went back to work. I went back to work um, as a theatre nurse at, and uh, after 12 months. I did try and go back earlier, but um, no, no, I was not capable of being there. Um, yeah, in, and then I went to uni and did some work um, towards a master's in 2015, I think it was, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, as I said to Quentin, immediately after we came out of the fire back to our daughters, I said, this is big, you. <laughs> It'll either make us or break us. We just have to give each other the space to walk our own path and support each other in whatever it is that we do. And that's mm-hmm. what we've tried to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he, being on the fire truck for four days, I mean, he obviously had his own experience um, yeah. of trauma and you've got yours. Sorry for the interruption. This is Ian Westmoreland, the founder of Kintsugi Heroes, and thank you for listening to this story from one of our amazing heroes. Our mission is for these stories to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges and to also educate the broader community on how best to provide support. If you would like to help us to continue to produce more hero stories and cover more adversity themes, we would welcome all donations. These can be made via our website, kintsugiheroes.com. The donate function is at the bottom of the homepage. We'd also welcome any feedback. You can email me direct using ian at kintsugiheroes.com.au. Now let's get back to the story. So sitting at the dam wall, you were there obviously for quite a number of hours by the sounds of it, and you saw the fire come. And you watched your house burn. Is that correct? So the fire went past. We stayed in the house until the fire went past. And dam is on the south side of the house. The fire trapped north. So as soon as it had passed by, um, I came upstairs to get the dogs from the laundry. Um, the house was split level I, and the laundry was upstairs. I came upstairs to get the dogs which I did, and when I turned around and looked behind me, I saw the um, light well melt (laughs) and fall onto the floor. I thought, oh, this could be a good time to get out. Hmm. (laughs) So I said to the girl, time to go. (laughs) Yeah. If that was wise. So you left. Um, Can you see the house from the dam wall where you were sitting? Yes, and the girls' car that they had that they were driving around Australia was sitting in the driveway at the front of the house. And when it caught on fire, all we could hear was the mournful sighing of the horn just beeping. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just It wasn't beep, 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 but it was just a mournful, long, drawn out. It was really sad. Yeah. Oh, it was like it was saying its own farewell. Well, in yes. a way. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> the girls called Ludmilla and they said goodbye, Ludmilla. <laughs> was it was it helpful to have the three girls there to kind of 
look after as well like, and, and have that company? I think so. I'm a great um, looker after us. I mean, five, the eldest of five, mother died at, you know, very young. Um, I'm a nurse. Um, yeah, they kept me very focused. I was very, very focused on making sure that they weren't too traumatised. That's mm-hmm. what concerned me the most, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So, and, and when was the first um, moment or sign that you knew that Quentin was okay? That was when we went back, when we finally left and got back into St Andrews, the village, um, and it was pretty chaotic. I went to the fire station looking for him and he wasn't there and it was really chaotic. There were people running around everywhere. Um, but someone had said he's okay. Um, I still wanted to see him. <laughs> um, so uh, we went down to the community centre and then he came down um, to the community centre when his tr- when the truck came in. Yep, yep. There was a lot of, you know, people coming and going. It was crazy, yeah. I I can only imagine the the chaos and the emotions and the and the the tension um, in the air. Yeah, because we were um, leading towards because the fire hit us first before it got to King Lake, and um, people in the fire station had relatives in King Lake, and they were really concerned. Yeah, because King Lake's at the top of the mountain. Um, we're in the valley below, uh, and fire travels up very quickly. It was well; it was just a spectacular fire. I mean, we've all seen footages of um, the fires. Mm. One hundred seventy-three people died in our fire, um, so it was, yeah, pretty scary and pretty. Um, my my recollection of that fire um, was hearing about how quickly it hit King Lake. So obviously it had already passed through your your yep. place and it, it hit so fast that people just weren't even ready for it. So a funny anecdotal story from some neighbours who are up on a ridge behind us. They have two adult boys that live with them and they were looking out their front windows thinking those poor people we're going to have to accommodate them somehow tonight. Meanwhile, their adult boys are out the back putting out the fire in the back of the house. So <laughs> we often laugh about that. <laughs> and they had no idea at the they time. <laughs> and I think that's one of the great things is if you've got a, the sense of humour, you know, there's always in, in the tragedy there is always not always, but there can be humour. Yeah, yeah. Silver lining, I say. Absolutely. And it's been fourteen years since the fire, and you still tear up, rightly so. It would have been I, for those of us who've never been through a fire. We can only imagine. You know, we see pictures. We don't know what it's like to lose our homes, lose people we know, our neighbours. It's um. But I, for me, it's almost any situation of trauma. I can remember when the floods were happening in northern New South Wales, Lismore, and they were coming on the screen. And I was in the doctor's surgery and the news was on the um, television and I just started crying. And I think it's, it's um, empathy for people and, and the sense of loss that just keeps coming back 
time and time again. We can, I mean, Quentin and I often laugh, you know, he'll say, where's the thing for squeezing out tea bags? And this is just this, this afternoon. What's the thing for squeezing out? Hmm. I think that was a BF thing, not a B, A, B thing, <laughs> A, A, F thing. <laughs> so, um, that loss and it, things keep coming back. It's, it's, extraordinary yes and on the whole I think you just get on with your life I mean you have to just get on with your life um I choose not to watch more things you know I haven't watched any footage on Ukraine I choose not to um I suppose borrow other people's traumas it's a nice way of putting it yeah and and you're right we do have to get on with it and it's a conscious choice. And it sounds like you and Quinton made that choice when you were at your daughter's house, mm. when you've lost everything. And it was a choice then of taking that next step and rebuilding, which you obviously did rebuild your house and stayed in yes. the area. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people did leave. Um, yeah. And that, there's no judgment there. That's okay. No, no. everyone no. has their own path, of course. But, and yet, the, the, the lovely thing that you shared is the women of the black belts and yes. this this group of people coming together because of the fire who might have lived just you know not far away from each other but previously weren't friends or didn't know anything about each other and then you get thrown to you choose to come together to connect and as women we naturally need that that sense of connection that's how we get our oxytocin it's it's what we do yes and you're right and i love that you still connect on a thursday at the cafe and and yes. no you, of course you don't have to talk about fires but it's it's the mechanism of no. venting it is so important it's so healing yeah i I'm, i feel in a sense you i won't say lucky i think you're wise i it's very when I first went back to work after the fires, which was within weeks after the fires, I don't know what I was thinking. Someone said to me, "But you're the you're a lucky person," and I was really offended. I mean, <laughs> I had nothing left. But what they were saying was, "You didn't die in the fires," and my head understood that, but my heart was, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yes, it was not lucky. <laughs> No. And one of the reasons the Black Belt Ladies was so powerful for some women was especially those women that had lost their husbands. And today I'm still very close to uh, um, one of the ladies whose husband perished in the fire. Um, we were able to, we understood, we didn't understood what she was going through. She didn't have to explain anything. Um, and yeah, I think she seeing her was one of the things that made us think, oh, we need to get together and hold each other close. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's what we did. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm so glad that you did. For her, yeah. for you, for all the women. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we did too because, as I say, she's still a really close friend. And, I mean, she's moved out of the area, but. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I, and just for some perspective, the number of houses, you said it was 65 houses that were lost. Yes. Is that right? Yes. yes. And was it 14 or 19 people who died? 14 people 14. died on that, 
in our immediate in our immediate area. And it's not a big a big area, is it? It's not. There's not a lot of people there. No, as I it it's like a orcharding um, hobby farm. People who ride horses, you know, they have their five, ten, twenty acres. Um, so that's it's an area that quite um, well. The houses are spread out. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. So sixty-five homes. It's a. It's a, it was actually a quite a quite a chunk of the, oh, the area, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Quite a decent percentage of the of the. Of the oh homes. yes, there was there was more houses gone than remained. Mm. Right. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I I I'd love to know about the German backpackers. How did they fare after the fire? And and um, what can you tell me about their? I was actually reluctant to let them go before they had some counselling with someone who also had German as their first language. It was really hard to find someone. But finally I got on to um, Luther College and they had a German person there that was able to speak with them. They were actually kind of fine I, from all appearances. You know, they were sort of like, oh, well, this is what happens in Australia. <laughs> but they, one of the girls stayed behind a little bit and got a, um, some work experience in. Um, yes, I think one of the girls didn't cope so well once she got back home. She found she was having dreams and nightmares. But I, and they commented at the time that I stayed really calm. Um, at one point I identified, oh, so this is what it feels like to be full of adrenaline. <laughs> and we just, yeah, I can't, I can't. And they said I was really calm. They said they felt really relaxed and I was asking them things like what color lounge suite should I get next and you know what color curtains should I have and because <laughs> these are really important where your house is burning down <laughs> that sense of humor Rose I love it it's <laughs> and I could just imagine you saying that at the time and I guess for the girls it wasn't their family home you know no no and I think they were also relieved that they weren't caught on the road in a fire and, you know, they were, um, yeah, they were very, they felt very, um, I suppose, looked after. But also after the fire, Pete, they experienced some of that incredible Australian generosity where people were just giving them things, taking them into their homes. Um, you know, the experience was bigger than just being billeted in someone's home. So that was really nice. To see that happening as well, yeah, yeah, we still we still hear from them via Facebook. Yeah, one of them's come back and visited us. Yes, lovely in the new home. Yes, so they've all finished their studies and they've completed tertiary education, and one of them's got a baby. And <laughs> see, life goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, Roz, throughout you sharing everything, you've always had a smile on your face, and I can feel the emotion. There's always emotion, and I and I get that it's always going to be there about you know the the event and and the impact of that on the town and your friends and and yet 
you're still you, you, what it, it feels to me. You're so empathetic. You're so strong and just just resilient as well uh, in a very soft, caring way. Which is a lovely place to be in. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's what I would hope. I would bring table. And after the look, almost immediately after the fire, I said, "I only hope that I can tell my story, and it will benefit someone in 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 some way." So, thank you for the opportunity to be able to do that. Yeah. Oh, you're so welcome. I hope I, I'm sure it will. And oh. uh, yeah, I guess it, we're wrapping up, and and it, I wanted to ask a question, and that is, is it Anything that you have learnt in hindsight that that another person in a rural community who might be in an area that you know there's there's a risk of fire or they've yeah whether it's coming or they've just got to plan and prepare is there something that you've learnt that you can share with them? I think I would say if you see something. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Don't be afraid to say, are you all right? Don't be afraid to say, is there anything I can do? Don't be afraid to say, are you eating? There were women here who were trying to get their businesses up and running and they had young children and they were losing weight. And I said to them, you're losing weight. Are you eating? (laughs) And then I was able to um, organise some food bank stuff for them. I think that it can be a frantic time after a, a bushfire but put yourself first because so many people rely on you. That's what I would say. Look after yourself. Thanks, Roz. Thank you. I think that's um, it's, it's very humble and giving. And it's not just about people going through fires, is it? It's like life because there's so, all these other traumatic events and just life in itself. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I did have training as a young person because... I grew up in a flood-prone area. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Life is a big adventure, isn't it? (laughs) Really, really is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Roz. I want to thank you so much. It's been a joy. It's been an absolute honour. I'm so grateful. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes with the Alpine Bushfires special series. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below. And join us for our next hero story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way. Only when it's broken Only when you're broke